G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. You're in that environment where you're always critiqued. So whether it was in a dance class or an acting class, you're critiqued on your performance. So it was very much about what you do and how you look. And I remember being in a dance class and I honestly can't even tell you exactly what she said, but my dance teacher made a comment about my weight and something switched in my mind. And yeah, that kind of took control of my life for quite some time. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, when singer and songwriter Mel Crothers was in her early teen years, she had no idea that a family crisis would have the unintended consequence of changing the direction of her life forever and for the better. Today, we'll hear her story and some of her music that was inspired by some of the other life challenges that she's gone through. That's singer and songwriter Mel Crothers having a chat and sharing her life journey with Eric Scatterbo today on The Story. Mel Crothers, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eric. Glad to have you with us, and let's go right to the beginning. Where were you born and raised? Born and half-raised in Sydney, and then came to Perth when I was about 13 years old. Okay, and so what was life like growing up in Perth? Perth's a beautiful city, so it's a beautiful place to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a normal Aussie family, I guess, mum, dad, uh, a sister, she's about six years older than me, and for the majority of my childhood, it was it was pretty normal. Um, mm. And then, yeah, about in when I was about fourteen, things started to change in my family and got a little bit rougher. Yeah, share with us what happened. So my sister um, decided she wanted to do her own thing, I think, and as some teens do, and my parents weren't too happy about it. And so that caused a lot of tension in our family. And she actually left home when she was 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was a big challenge that my family faced. And you're five years younger, you said? Yes. Yes. So we'd only just moved to Perth. She didn't like it. And um, yeah, things weren't, weren't doing too good. And she left and... Things changed dramatically in our family from that point on. Wow. So sorry to hear that. So tension in the family. What did you do to try to relieve the tension? What happened? I guess for me personally as a child, I I tried to just not rock the boat. I spent um, a lot of my teen years um, just trying to be the good daughter. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that meant that maybe I was a little bit distant, especially from my father who... um, was very hurt by my sister leaving and, and didn't really want a lot to do with her for many, many years. And that was a, a big tension in our family. And so I just tried to allay any tension. I didn't like confrontation. Mm-hmm. I didn't like arguing. And so I would do whatever I could to just make sure everyone was happy. And how did that work for you? Yeah, it was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, very hard. And and my parents, you know, they wanted to, to obviously... Um, have our family back together. And so it was actually my father who decided we should go to the Salvation Army and have counselling as a family. Mm. 
Now, were you Christians at that point? Why the Salvation Army? No, no. I think I'd, I'd been sent to Sunday school at the Salvation Army back in Sydney when I was a child. But your parents didn't go? No, no. I think there's a thing in the 70s. You just send your child because you want them to have a good good morals. So you send them <laughs> yeah, off to Sunday yeah. school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you had a little bit so, of that. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, we went to the Salvos and did some counselling and were invited to church. And my dad came with us for a couple of weeks, um, but then stopped coming. And my mum and I continued to go. And I guess that's where God really got a hold of my life. And I started to realise that I I needed a saviour. I needed God in my life and I needed him to, to take the wheel of my life. Wow. Isn't that interesting that it took a family crisis and the tension that resulted from the relationship or the, the struggles in the relationship between your father and your older sister, but it, it took mm. that to get you to a place of uh, being exposed to the gospel through the Salvation Army. Yeah, that's right. And little did we know, you know, that that would result in that. But God takes all things and he can turn them around for his good. And I'm so thankful now for that. Amen. And your mother, you said, also put her faith in Jesus? Yeah. So she's a part of our church now and she's one of the most caring, beautiful pastoral care workers that we have. Wow. Um, yeah. And all because yeah. of this family crisis back in your teenage years. That's right. That's right. Wow. Wow. So what happened after that? Um, so I finished high school, I went on to university, and I studied musical theatre, of all things. <laughs> so what was your ambition um, at that time? At that time, I was going to be the next Hugh Jackman, the female Hugh Jackman. <laughs> the female Hugh plan. Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to a place called WAPA, the WA Academy of Performing Arts. Uh-huh. And at the time, that was the place to be in Australia if you wanted to to have a career in musical theatre, that was the place to train. And yeah. I was fortunate enough to be accepted straight out of high school. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's where I spent the next three years, immersed in that culture, immersed in that that life. And in some ways, God took a back seat through a bit of that time. Um, mm. It's a very hard place to be a Christian in that kind yeah, of Yeah, I was going to ask you. I mean, it's all nice and, you know, you're honored by being accepted because I imagine it's very hard to get in there. But uh, yes. yeah, how did it work out as far as being a Christian in that atmosphere? Yeah, I guess being, I was only you know, 18 and, and so I wanted to fit in and I wanted to, in some ways, that, that pleasing and that wanting to make sure everyone was okay that happened in my family, that kind of continued into my young adulthood. And Yeah, it sounds like you're so, a little bit of a people pleaser. Was that a yeah, fair statement? Yeah, I was, I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was. And and so being a Christian in that environment was hard, so I kind of kept it on the down low for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But then God really did start to stir in my life, and it was, it was actually when I met my now husband that that started to happen. Mm-hmm. But before that, you also had some other struggles in your life as far as your self-image? Yeah, that's right. I I remember actually... One class, because you, obviously you, you're in that environment where you're always critiqued. So yeah. whether it was in a dance class or an acting class, you're critiqued on your performance. So it was very much about what you do and how you look. And I remember v- very being in conditional a dance. love. <laughs> it's all yes, conditional, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and being a people pleaser that made it even worse. I oh think. yeah, yeah. It's an impossible situation because <laughs> looking for affirmation. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I was in I was in a dance class, and I. I honestly can't even tell you exactly what she said, but my dance teacher made a comment about my weight. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, and I was probably I wasn't I've never been like a size eight. I'm probably I was probably a a twelve. I've always been healthy looking. I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So in, and, in other words, weight has not been an issue for you. Uh no, 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 not not obesity or anything like that. No. Um, but I, she made a comment and, and something switched in my mind and I spent the next probably nine months counting every calorie, writing it down, oh, wow. going to the gym every single day, even though I was in dance class for two or three hours a day, I would go to the gym every day after uni and on weekends. And yeah, that kind of took control of my life for, for quite some time. Now in mm. musical theater, yeah. Your image and how you look and all that—that's like a big part of all that. Is that right? Absolutely. And and at first it was great. People would comment, "Oh, you're looking really good," but then it just the weight kept coming off and coming off and coming off more than you needed until to. the point where I didn't look as good. Yeah. Yeah, I look quite gaunt when I look at photos now. Wow. So that kind of sounds like uh, anorexia, or what do you think? Not to that extent, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I was on the road to that. Um, um, because I let it control my life so much. Yeah. So mm. what happened? Well, like I mentioned, I met my husband. <laughs> and, and what did God he say? definitely had a plan in that. So he was he was also um, in the same building, but it was called the Conservatorium, so all the musicians. And he was studying jazz saxophone. So he was a saxophone player oh, okay. playing jazz, you know, yeah. couldn't resist. <laughs> and, and they're not and, really into self-image and how much you weigh in jazz, I don't think. No, no, probably not. <laughs> so that wasn't his struggle. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so, but we met and started dating, and I think, yeah, he definitely loved me back into into a healthy point of view of how I looked. And he, at the time, I didn't know, but he was he was a pretty nominal Christian, as was I. And so, I really look back now and I see how God was in that, and he he brought us together, knowing what plan he had for us to use us into the future for his glory. And now looking back years later, you wrote a song about that period in your life? Yeah, I wrote a song called Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually wrote it when I was turning 30 because even though I say that I got over that kind of really intense time in my life, I think I still carried that that self-image, negative self-image, even into into my marriage and into having children. Up until I was approaching 30, I still battled with that quite often, just mm-hmm. not liking how I looked and always wondering what people thought of me in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to 30 and I thought, I've had enough of this. <laughs> I've had enough of thinking about it. God, I need you to really break through in this part of my life. And so I sat with God and and he showed me scriptures and he spoke to my heart and I, I allowed him because I think he was would have done it any time, but I had to allow him to really break through and minister to me. And show me that he'd created me and he'd made me who I am. He'd made me how I look and that I was beautiful because of his love in me. That was the key. How he loved me and what he did for me, that's what true beauty is in me. And that I can then love others and show that beauty to others. Now you have
That's the song Beautiful by our guest today, singer and songwriter Mel Crothers. She's having a chat and sharing her story with Eric Scatterbo. Next, we'll hear more of her story, including a severe health challenge that she went through. That and some of her music when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with singer and songwriter Mel Crothers. Before the break, we heard how in her teen years, a family crisis had the unintended consequence of changing the direction of her life forever. That's when she became a Christian. Now, at this point in her story, she's in university studying music theatre. That's when she met her husband, Darren. Now, we'll find out what happened next in her life. We sort of drew each other to God in some ways. That's interesting. How did you draw each other to God? I think we, we we met and we realized that each other maybe was going to church but hadn't really committed and wasn't really living the Christian life, wasn't living every day for Jesus. But you were going to church? Yeah, pretty on and off, not every okay. week. So you had a yeah. little bit of spiritual input, but not a whole lot? No, no. It was Sunday Christian kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, <laughs> and, just being honest, that's where you were at that point in yeah, your spiritual absolutely. life. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. And... But we realized together, I think, that we needed more of God in our lives. We mm-hmm. needed to hand over every part of our lives to God. Was there anything that happened that made you realize that, or it was just something that you both happened to realize? No, I just think it was something that in conversations we'd have about each other's faith, we, God just did something. And maybe we, I think I probably dragged him along to church a little bit more often than he was going. Okay. So maybe it was all me. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was all you. <laughs> you were the spiritual head there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, he, um, he's doing pretty good for himself at the moment, but I don't want to get ahead of the story. <laughs> sure, sure. So what, what happened next then? So we, we started attending church more. We were dating, and I think we realized um, that God really had a plan for us to be together. And so um, we actually only dated for less than a year before we got engaged. Mm-hmm. And we'd both recommitted our lives to God in a greater way by then and we're ready to, to live our lives for him. Little did we know what that would mean in the future. We thought we were going to be musicians, performers, and that was going to be our, our life mm-hmm. together and God was going to just be a part of that somehow. <laughs> Yeah, how, how is that going to work? A jazz uh, musician slash uh, a drama musical drama person. Uh, I don't know what kind of a traveling show would have both of those incorporated. Yeah, well, I was we'd we'd formed a jazz band by then, so we were oh, doing really? sort of gigs around the city. I was singing some jazz. Oh, okay. Um, we're doing gigs around the city, and then we were both teaching as well. So he was teaching instrumental teaching in in schools, and I was teaching singing and dance and. 
so yeah, things things were looking pretty good and pretty light for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got married very shortly after that. Um, I fell pregnant, and we had our, our beautiful daughter. That was our little surprise. And as we were heading into sort of our fourth year of marriage, um, we'd been attending a, a Church of Christ in Perth and had committed to, to serving in that church in the music. And then my husband really started to sense that God was calling him into ministry. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was very out of the blue. We didn't expect that. And at about a year after, he he accepted a position as the music director in the church. And then a year after that, I was offered a position as the creative arts director in the church. And uh, nearly 15 years later, here we are. We're both um, Church of Christ ministers and we're planting churches now. Wow. So just yeah. step by step, <laughs> God led you to get deeper and deeper into serving him. Absolutely. Yeah. And I all, you know, to think it all started from a crisis in my own family for yeah. personally for my journey with God. Yeah. And then him bringing us together. He knew the plan and we didn't. I think maybe if I'd known the plan, I might have run the other direction. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ministry's not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so you're able to use some of your training in the music theater, is that right? Absolutely. And there was a, there was a time actually near when I did sort of recommit my life and to God and I was still at uni that I thought, what am I doing here? Why am I pursuing this career in an environment where it's really hard to be a Christian? And yeah. All of that, but I really sense God said, "No, stay and finish your degree." And so I did, and and yeah, little did I know that I would be using those skills years later um, to build His kingdom and to glorify Him and to help others use the talents that He's given them to do the same. Yeah, well, we want to find out a bit about the wonderful things that you're doing today. But I understand that about six years ago, you had another struggle. Yeah, so we were just about to plant our first church. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'd had been having some some trouble with my back, and I thought I just need to go to the physio and just need to get that sorted out. And I went to the physio, and he sort of did some initial tests, and he got me walking down the hallway of the clinic, and I couldn't walk in a straight line. Wow! And I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. And so I mean, especially me I'm thinking about your background. You used to be a dancer. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was a muscle sort of thing, and. And he just needed to, to loosen it up and I'd yeah. be right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he sat me down and he said, Mel, I'm sorry, I can't treat you today. I need you to go and have a brain scan. Wow. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that gets your attention. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. So off I went. Obviously, when you hear those words, you think, I've got a brain tumor. Yeah, or um, something, yeah. That was something like that. That was in my initial thoughts. So we spent the next couple of days um, – in that area of our lives and waiting on, on test results. And I, I had a, a brain scan and that came back clear. So we breathed a sigh of relief in that, but then he referred me back to my GP and, and said, you know, there's still something going on. We don't know what it is. So I went and had a whole lot of bloods taken and their GP did some tests and then, called me up a few days later and said, Mel, there's a possibility you might have MS. Oh, wow. We need you to go be tested for that. And I can remember my my children were out at school and my husband had just left for a meeting and I remember standing in the middle of the lounge room on the phone to the doctor when she told me this and 
I hung up the phone and I had a moment of like, oh, okay, MS, right. And then it sank even deeper. Oh, hang on, MS. And I'd known a lady through the church I first went to, the Salvation Army Church I first went to, beautiful woman who had MS. And I'd seen her over the years deteriorate Mm. and it's such a horrible disease. And I thought, oh, Lord, how can this be part of your plan for me? (laughs) And I, I... I started to cry, but then I thought, no, I need to, I need to do more than this. I need to, I can't just lose it. Um, God, you, you're in control here. And, um, you've given me gifts and you've given me abilities and, and I've just got to trust in you. But that's hard to do over the, the weeks that follow because <laughs> it takes weeks to get in for a scan. You have to have, I had to have a full body MRI scan. And, and meanwhile, through you don't all of know. This, meanwhile, yeah, you yeah. don't know through all of yeah. this. We didn't tell our children. Hmm. Um, so it was just my husband and I and my parents journeying through this, waiting, basically. And waiting's a horrible thing when you don't know what the outcome's going to be, whether it's going to be a positive or a negative. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time being angry at God, <laughs> at the possibility that this might um, be our lives questioning how this could be part of his plan. You know, we were about to plant a church. We'd committed our lives together as a family to ministry. Um, I believe he'd given me a gift in my voice to worship and to lead others in worship. How was that supposed to be realized and how was he supposed to use us if yeah. I was going to be diagnosed with MS? So Yeah, yeah all very reasonable questions. Yeah, I, and so I Struggled back and forth with God, and um, but came to a place amazingly. And God is so gracious, and He's so loving, and you really came to a place where He just said, "Do you believe I am faithful?" And I said, "I, I, I had to, I had to wait, I had to make sure I, I did believe it." But I got to a place and said, "Yes, okay, God, I believe you are a faithful God." No, he, he says in his words, um, if we trust our lives to him, he's a faithful God. He's faithful for a thousand generations. He said that to the Israelites, and, and that is a promise to us as well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to cling to that promise. And eventually I got to a place, even before finding out what the outcome was, that, okay, whatever it is, God, you still have your plan in place, and you are still going to be faithful, and you are still going to use me and use us for your glory, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I won't know till I get to heaven whether I was healed or whether I never had MS and this was just something that was that God was using in order to, to grow me. Um, but the test came back negative, praise mm-hmm. him. Oh, and praise the Lord. Yes, so I don't have MS and I never will because apparently they can tell. But the, but the problem went away? And it, it subsided. It took a few months, um, but the symptoms just went away. And wow. Yeah. It, uh, so well, again, but, but not before having a bit of a scare. That's right. Yeah. So basically for, for at least eight weeks, we were waiting on results. So waiting to get in for a scan and then waiting on those results and then seeing rheumatologists and all sorts of things. So it, it was quite a journey, a short one, and, and I know people have been through a lot worse, but for us that was a, a bit of a scare. So it definitely grew me in my faith and grew us as a family in trusting God. 
and his plan, no matter what things may look like. He is a faithful God. And you wrote a song about that? I did. I did. I did. Um, it's called Faithful, <laughs> and it was the title song of my second album. And it's a declaration, a declaration that no matter what, God is faithful, that no matter what we face in life, he already knows what's going to happen before it happens. And all we have to do is to trust in him and give him glory through it all and journey with him and he'll walk alongside us. the song Faithful by our guest today, Mel Crothers. Mel, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. That was Eric Scatterbo having a chat with singer and songwriter Mel Crothers. It was great to hear her story and how the Lord has helped her overcome different challenges in life. And as she sang in her song, The Lord is faithful through it all. No matter what we face in life, all we have to do is trust in Him and give Him glory through it all. If we journey with Him, He will walk alongside us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Well, if you would like to find out more information about Mel's music and her ministry, the website is melcruthers.com.au. That's melcruthers, C-R-O-T-H-E-R-S.com. Well, thanks for joining us for Mel's story and some of her music. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. There was something else at work here in this situation, and it wasn't just, oh, well, I'm an angry person. There was a definite spiritual thing that was at work, and it was a real decision to go in and say, you know what, I need to overcome something here because I don't want to be this person. I don't like who I am at this time. I don't like what I've been doing. I don't like the fact that I just hit my husband. That's not who I want to be. Doug and Karen Stanton fell in love, married, and went on to pastor a church together. Unfortunately, that's when their marriage began to go downhill, descending so low that Karen even hit Doug. We'll hear their story and how God miraculously turned their marriage around next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.